Good morning guys, Com Center Sports coming back at you once again here. This is episode number 64 on Monday, March the 9th, 2020. Today, we're going to talk about spring training and whether or not a successful spring training correlates with a successful regular season and if a poor spring training translates to a poor regular season. With me as always, my co-host Ben Nisman. Benny, how you doing today, buddy? Doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. This is an ongoing debate that I'm sure has gone on for a while, just like when we talk about in the beginning of a season where a team starts off one and six and someone's saying like, hey, this is a big deal. And the other one's saying, come on, man, it's the first week and a half of the season. Let's take it easy. Sure. So I really do appreciate, though, Joe, when you said that you were going to do this, that you actually followed through and picked out every side of the argument. Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate that you went over and beyond. Mm -hmm. Now, it should be clear to everyone listening that we're specifically talking about hitters. Yes. We didn't cover get to cover the pitchers. Well, it, they'll get thrown in and sprinkled in the argument when we talk about it. But for the most part, this is a, a hitter-friendly debate. Yes. Mostly. Yes, we, we could do a follow-up show on pitchers, but I know we're going to get into a time crunch there with, with the divisional breakdowns that we want to do coming up here and our own fantasy draft that we're going to want to cover. So there's a lot to cover. If we can squeeze in a pitchers episode, I'll be happy to do that, but we'll see if that's even possible. But let's talk about this thing here. And let me kick this off first by going over the league leaders in spring training last year in certain categories, okay? All right, let's go. All right, so batting average last year of... Of guys who uh, played in the spring. Now, I didn't count guys who only had one or two at-bats and had a hit. So, it's more or less guys that, that had regular at-bats, more than more than enough uh, at-bats to count. So, let's break this down. The league leader in, in batting average last year was Robinson Cano with a 441 batting average. After that was Ryan McMahon, 424. Carlos Santana, 397. Yoan Moncada, 358. Brian Anderson, 354, and Pete Alonzo with a 352. Now, what do you hear when you hear those names, Ben? They seem a little bit all over the place, right, when you think about the uh, years that they had following their spring, right? Right. We have three guys who really had breakout years in Santana, Moncada, and obviously Pete Alonzo. We had two guys who had fairly decent years in Brian Anderson and Ryan McMahon, and Robinson Cano was a disaster. So you pick your poison there. Um, right. But the leader of them at all was exactly. Cano. Was Cano, but, who had the disaster but, season. But, again, I'll argue against why that even matters. Because, again, we're talking about a very small sample size of at-bats. Sure. And very circumstantial. Because once a guy has gotten his work in, typically, at least historically the manager is going to get that player out of the game to keep him healthy. Right. Uh, just uh, get them live at bats, if you will. Mm -hmm. Get their work in, get them out, get them healthy, get right. them ready for the next game. Right. So, uh, however, um, when you did do your research off air, you were also noticing that a guy that should be just getting his work and getting out of the game, an aforementioned Pete Alonso mm -hmm. is one guy who has the most at bats this spring yes so that shocked the heck out of us um for the most part though i would think it, it's the antithesis and this just might be a case of a guy that loves 
playing baseball mm-hmm. so much that you just can't even get him out of the game. Right, because here's the thing, Ben. He also led the league last year in at bats in spring as well by six over Jose Abreu. So Pete Alonso plays right. a ton in spring. And let's right. let's jump right into him then as long as we've got him on the mind. Last okay. last year in spring, he went 25 for 71. That's a 352 batting average with a 387 on base percentage. 13 runs scored, five doubles, four homers, 11 RBIs, four walks, and 12 strikeouts. And to me, that is incredibly indicative of what he did this year, minus the batting average. The on-base percentage was relatively close. He had a 358. Obviously, he scored 103 runs, had 30 doubles, the 53 big home runs, and 120 RBIs. 72 walks was nice. 183 strikeouts is pretty much right in line. He strikes out a ton, and he struck out quite a bit in spring, and ended up with a 941 OPS. You know, strong spring, strong season. Yeah, it it correlated, and in this case, this example... We're talking about a guy that was playing to arguably put his name on the map, make the team, playing for a job to some extent. Mm -hmm. He's aware that he's the future, but this was an opportunity for him to break camp, and he did so with this spring. Absolutely. So the, the argument in your favor, I think, is mostly going to be the guys that are playing for their jobs okay. and playing for a the last spot, if you will. Um, I, re- I think it was whether it was 2014 or 2015 going into that season. I'm not sure. Mm. But Rafael Montero had a really good spring, as did Dylan G. Right. And it came down to the two of them, and they picked G. Mm-hmm. I think it was Terry Collins, in fact. Right. So... Um, was that an easy decision for him to make? I'm sure it wasn't. After you have another guy that had an awesome spring mm-hmm. and you potentially stunt his growth, that's something that you've talked about. Yep. But um, in this case, I'm just trying to say, like, there's uh, when there's a guy playing for his job, there's more to it. There's And the manager knows that, so he's going to give them a longer leash. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. And and we take a look at a guy like uh, like Carlos Santana last year, who was not playing for his job, but had a had a really good spring. He hit three ninety seven, right. went twenty five for sixty three. It's a three ninety seven batting average, a four thirty three on base percentage, twelve runs, four doubles, four homers, thirteen RBIs, three walks, six strikeouts, and it correlated to a huge year that you saw. You know, 281 yeah, batting his average. best year, arguably. Yeah, 281 batting average, 397 on base, 515 slug, 110 runs scored, 30 doubles, 34 homers, 93 RBIs, 108 walks and 108 strikeouts, and four steals with a 911 OPS. So there again, yeah. big spring correlates to a big year. And that's a guy who wasn't playing for his job. So That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hear you. There's But... At the same time, we don't know in what circumstances was he in, which pitchers he was hitting sure. off of. These kinds of things count also. I, I agree. I agree. Um, now, on the other side of the coin, well, we'll get to the other side of the coin here in a second. Let me continue okay. to go over the 2019 leader, the category leaders, because there are some interesting names in there. Um, let's talk about let's talk about doubles, right? Because it's a kind of indicative stat as far as 
power improvement you know you like to see a guy with a lot of doubles one year that could correlate to being more homers the following year so if we look at if we look at uh, 2019 double leaders ryan mcmahon brandon lau chris owings chad pinder billy hamilton and tyler wade led 2019 spring in doubles uh nine eights and sevens on that uh on that that tally there um again we saw ryan mcmahon have a pretty good season in colorado uh, we saw Brandon Lau have a really nice se- half a season in Tampa before he got injured. The rest of these guys, not exactly. Billy Hamilton kind of flamed out wherever he was. Tyler Wade is still yet to be seen in- with the Yankees. Chad Pinder's a nice yeah. little bench bat for P- Oakland. Pinder is just the the benefactor of one of the best team names in fantasy ever Agreed. made. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, home runs is another good category to look at because there were only three guys who hit more than five home runs and there were like 15 guys who hit five and I'm not going to list them all off, but the three who hit more than five was Jung Ho Gong, who is now flamed out of the league and isn't playing anymore. Matt Adams, who was a bench bat for Washington and Aaron Judge. Now Aaron Judge was injured, missed half the year. But still had six home runs. He was having a huge spring and probably yeah, would have was, had a huge year. No, that's right. that's the guy that definitely, yeah, you're seeing, oh, good. He's hitting a lot of doubles. Good. You yeah. know, I, I I hear what you're saying, Joe. Um, again, we're going to find, now we can go on the other side of the coin here because mm-hmm. then we're going to find things that are just all over the place, yeah. I'm sure. And let's talk about Ryan McMahon and his, and his, uh, his competition last year, Garrett Hampson, because both of these guys had huge springs. And the, the question was, who's going to play second base for the Rockies? One of these two guys were going to be it. And they ended up going with McMahon. But let's take a look at the spring numbers and see why they went with McMahon and where these guys ended up. So McMahon, for himself, went 25 for 59. That was a 424 batting average, a 470 on base percentage, 11 runs, 9 doubles, a triple, 3 homers, 14 RBIs, 5 walks, and 12 strikeouts. That was all in the spring. He ended the season 250 batting average, 329 on base, 70 runs scored, 22 doubles, 24 homers, 83 RBIs, 56 walks, 160 strikeouts with five steals, ended with a 779 OPS. It's a pretty decent season. His competition last spring was Garrett Hampson. And Hampson, for his credit, was not going to be a guy who swung the bat as much as, as McMahon, but he has the speed. Uh, tool that McMahon does not. So the question was, could Garrett Hampson get himself on base enough and steal enough bases to steal that second base job away? He went 12 for 43. That's a 279 batting average, a 340 on base percentage with eight runs, a double, a triple, and four homers. He ma- he actually out slugged Ryan McMahon, nine RBIs, four walks, eight strikeouts, and seven steals. So he was having a really nice spring, but his regular season just was not there. 247 batting average, 302 on base percentage, 40 runs, 8 homers, 27 RBIs, 15 steals, ended up with a 686 OPS. How many at-bats was that over? Uh, Garrett Hampson's twenty regular season? Yeah. I'll have to look it up. Give me a moment. Because... I recognize that, you know, this is a guy who wasn't playing every day and was coming right. off the it's bench. A que- it's a question of whether he was coming up, producing, and then, you know, getting sent down, or right. did he get that chunk of time, a chance to produce, 
fail and then get sent down. Right. So he had 300 at bats, 299 at bats in 2019. That's and, more than I would have thought. Yep. I mean, and toward the end, runs, if it's you know you extrapolate it and give him 250 more at bats, mm-hmm. it might not be as horrible. Right. Right. So again, Garrett Hampson, big spring, poor 2019 season. We saw the same thing with Robinson Cano. McMahon was pretty solid, though, and you saw it there in the spring. Um, right. The only other thing I'll go over here for 2019's categories is RBIs. And there's a couple of names at the top of this list that I think you're interested in here. The league leaders in RBIs in 2019 spring training were Jose Abreu and Jorge Soler. Cody Bellinger was on that list. Michael Conforto was on that list. Avi Garcia was on that list. Miguel Cabrera was on that list. There are other names like Nick Tanalu, who's a prospect for Houston. Byron Buxton had 15 RBIs last year. Uh, Abraham Toro, who was a third base prospect for Houston, was on that list. Um, so, yeah, there were a couple of, like, outliers. But by and large, the guys who drove in runs last spring had good seasons. I mean, Jose Abreu led the, led the AL in, in RBIs. Soler led the AL in home runs. You know, you're 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 talking about a couple of guys who who had breakout or damn good seasons, and it was showing yeah. in the spring. Yeah, it, it, it's a reasonable argument. It's also fair to lean on the side of coincidence because, sure. I mean, we don't know necessarily who was getting on base or who wasn't getting on base when mm-hmm. some of these other guys that didn't get a lot of RBIs over the spring. What was happening? Why weren't they? getting as many RBIs? Were they in as many opportunities to get RBIs? Mm -hmm. I get you can't discredit the guys that actually came through when they had guys on base in the spring. Right. But there's always the other side of it. Yeah, and who was pitching and how how good a pitcher was that that they were getting these RBIs off of, right? Was it a scrub that's going to be playing high A ball or double A ball, or was it a legitimate pitcher? Right. To look at two breakouts from last year are Kettle Marte and Josh Bell. I think we can agree that those were two really big breakout bats in 2019. Question yeah, is, yeah. how they perform in spring? Did Was this showing anything? Josh Bell had a horrible, horrible spring. He went 11 for 56. It's a 196 batting average, a 224 on base percentage. Only hit two home runs, drove in four, four RBIs, and struck out 17 times. But his 2019 season was really good. 277 average, 37 homers, 116 RBIs, and only 118 strikeouts. Right. So, and that's and that was with uh, a poor ending to the season, yeah. right? Yes. So it was a slow start in spring, turn it on as the season begins, mm-hmm. in cruise control, and then ran out of gas towards yes. the end. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of how I see it. And that's that could be two things. It could be, you know, nothing, or it could be a guy just needed to get exactly the amount of reps that he needed to prepare mm-hmm. in order to get him ready for the beginning of the season. So right. in that case, all those season, all those at-bats that were 
horrible, or at least looked horrible, was just him figuring it out. Right. And he was just taking his time. It didn't matter who was on base or, if the, you know, what count he was in. He was just going to prepare the way he needed to prepare mentally mm-hmm. just to get himself ready for the season. Right. And that's exactly what it seems like he did. Right. And by that same token, Cattell Marte, who had a breakout season of 92 RBIs and 97 runs scored with 32 homers and 10 steals, didn't really have a good spring either. He went 14 for 52 last year. That's a 269 batting average. Five runs, four doubles, two RBIs, nine strikeouts, and a steal. But he turned it on when the regular season happened. He hit 329 in the regular season, 36 doubles. Like I said, the 10 steals. He ended with a 981 OPS. Absolutely right. obliterated pitching once the calendar turned. And now this is a guy, unlike Josh Bell, for some of the other guys that we've been talking about, is this was a guy that was playing for his job. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cattell Marte wasn't necessarily, he was more like, we think of him as a utility player, a young kid. Sure, he could break out, but right now he's just an off-the-bench guy or he's in, you know, he's in AAA. Mm-hmm. But he was obviously playing for playing time, and yep. you got to give Tori Lovio credit because... You know, he saw something in him despite an average or pedestrian spring training sure. compared to everyone else and said, I'm going to keep him on the team. I'm going to give him regular reps. And it worked out perfectly. And now this guy is turning into a star. Sure, sure. Let's talk about a guy who had an absolutely terrible 2019, Benji, and whether or not his season was impacted by spring training. Not and, named Robinson Cano. Not named Robinson Cano. How about Travis Shaw? How about a guy like Travis Shaw who absolutely just shit the bed in 2019, coming in with pretty high expectations, right? He led the league last year in strikeouts in spring training with 25. However, he hit 269 with a 596 slugging, hit five homers and 12 RBIs. So he was hitting. He was striking out a ton, but he was hitting. And maybe the strikeouts was the indicator that, you know, a little red flag that this isn't exactly sustainable. And maybe the home runs were off of weak pitching. But there's a guy who had a decent to, if you looked at it on paper, of solid spring. And just was a mess in the regular season. You know, this guy hit, what, 157 on the season? Yeah. He's basically lost his starting job. He yeah. Yeah, and now he's trying to recreate his career in in Toronto this year. So, it's you know, if you want to take it as yeah, maybe those strikeouts were a an indicator, then perhaps there was something to it. You know, you look at other sure. guys on that list who led the league in strikeouts last year. Max Muncy was on there. He had a good year. Eugenio Suarez was up there. He had a really good year. Uh Ronald Acuña was up there and he had a damn near 40-40 season. So, it's there. There's indicators, but you have to you have to kind of traverse the landmines to find out where these things are. Right. Like what what are what are you taking out of it that's good, mm-hmm. that's real? And what are you taking out of it that's bad, that's real? Right. What exactly are you supposed to take out of the player and evaluate to say this is a good sign or this is a bad sign mm-hmm. or this is oh, this is just getting his usual reps mm-hmm. and this gets rectified just be- 
me. Right. Oh, okay, he figured it out. Right. And with that, I can turn to Ronald Acuna to look at and see if the the true enormous season that he had was indicative of spring. Now, we knew he was going to strike out a lot. And young players usually do. You know, Juan Soto notwithstanding. You know, Acuna, Acuna struck out 188 times last year. He struck out 19 times in the spring, over 51 at-bats. But he did hit 314 in the spring with a 407 on base percentage, four homers, 10 RBIs, 14 runs scored, three steals, a triple, and two doubles. So he had a really strong showing in spring last year. And it wasn't necessarily a case where Acuna was looking to play for a job. I think his job was pretty safe after a damn near rookie of the year season in 2018. We can spin that forward toward another guy who was coming in in 2019, maybe looking for a job, but probably safe in Austin Meadows. And was Austin Meadows' breakout season there? Last season at spring, 15 for 51. That's a 294 batting average, 368 on base percentage with six walks, two homers, four RBIs, eight runs scored, five doubles, and three steals. He came into 2019's regular season and had a big year. 291 right. with a 364 on base, 33 homers, 89 RBIs, 12 steals, a 922 OPS. Yeah. That's a that's a guy that I would have to look carefully at the at-bats in spring because it's Kevin Cash's guy. And mm -hmm. who knows what he was doing as far as where he was putting him in the lineup, uh, when how many at-bats he was getting each game. I just there would be more to evaluate right. with a guy like Austin Meadows, whether it was one thing leading to the mm. leading to a big season. Right, right. With all of that being said, we can now look at the 2020 spring leaders because we're about halfway through spring at this point. You know, you look at a guy like like uh, Pete Alonso, who led the league in at bats last year with 71. He's sitting at 35 now, so it's about halfway home. So let's take a look at the 2020 spring leaders. Maybe we can pick out some guys who might have that breakout year because of this spring. Now, what I don't have is batting average because if I sort it by, you know, the highest batting average, I'm going to get guys who went one for one and two for two in the spring. Right, right, right. right. So, so but, you can't do any percentages then. You can't do on base. Right. But we can do the counting stats and see where we're at there. Right? Okay. So if we start with that bats, it's a mixed bag. We do have Pete Alonso at the top this year. However, there are a bunch of guys after him that are fighting for jobs. And any of these guys you can pick and choose, right? So Franklin Barreto has 33 at bats this spring. He's fighting for the second base job in Oakland with Jorge Mateo. Seth Brown is a first base prospect for the Oakland A's. He has 32. Sam Hilliard, who is a first base and outfield prospect for the Rockies. He's looking to fight for that center field job. He has 32. Danny Mednick, a second base prospect for the White Sox. He's in there. And with the vacated spot by Yolmer Sanchez, they've got an opening. Uh, Ian Miller, who I saw just the other day in, in the Las Vegas ballpark, the left field prospect for the Chicago Cubs. He's got 32 at-bats. And finally, Nick Solak, who is a top prospect for the Rangers. He could fit anywhere on their diamond, but he also has 32 at-bats. And they have varying degrees of success this spring, but those guys are guys that we could take a look at and say, you know what, 
maybe there's something to this. Uh, not right, mentioned as well. These are also guys that we could put in that group of playing for a job. Mm -hmm. A lot of these guys. Right. Tommy Edmonds also there with 33 at-bats this spring. But I don't think he's playing for a job. I think his role on the team is safe. It's just a question of where they play him. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I'm confident he'll make the team. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's necessarily a starter, though. So that's something he still might be playing for. Right, right. Of these guys, is there anybody that interests you, aside from Alonzo and maybe Edmund, that could win these jobs and have a decent year? Maybe this Mednick character. Okay, the second baseman for the White Sox. Yeah, I could see that if yeah, he fits in the lineup. surrounded by all those guys mm -hmm. in that lineup. If he is the guy that gets that job, right. it's huge because you know he's going to possibly score a ton of runs mm -hmm. when you have you know, maybe a Jimenez or Mancada or a Breu or all behind Rodal, him. Like, yeah. I mean, whoever, you right. name it. Right. I do like the idea that, that whoever wins the second base job in Oakland is going to be uh, hitting well and hitting in the middle of a strong lineup. Oakland does have a good lineup. So if it's Franklin Barreto or, or Jorge Mateo, you could see a big season from those guys. I really do like Jorge Mateo. These are both guys I watched last year here in Vegas, as Vegas is now the AAA team of Oakland. So I did see both of these guys play. I like them both. Um, Barreto has been around longer. He was the higher-rated prospect, but Mateo has kind of overtaken him with last season, and he had a strong year. Um, and Mateo Sam, was a Yankees farmhand that went for Sonny Gray, I believe. Yep. I thought that he was supposed to be an insanely fast guy, but... He is. I've been hearing his name for a long time. And he, I feel like he must be at least 25 by now. Uh, Jorge Mateo currently is... If I can get all of this info. He's 24. He'll be 25 in June. Uh, last okay. year here in Vegas, he hit 289 with 19 homers, 78 RBIs, and 24 steals. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. The problem is they 24 just... 24 steals is pretty good in that mm -hmm. amount of time. Right. I will say that. Yep. Uh, 29 doubles, a 330 on base percentage, an 834 OPS, over 119 games, 566 at-bats here in uh, Las Vegas. From what I was told, though, something, something I heard was he had kind of an attitude problem, though. I haven't heard that, but if that's the case, then that might be why he's still sitting here in, in AAA. And, and fighting like, for this job versus getting it with the season he put up. No, I think it had something about being late all the time mm. or just something with his preparation. I can't exactly remember the whole thing with Cashman, but gotcha. there was something with Mateo specifically. Okay. If we move Made it to... easy to trade for Sonny Gray, which right. did not work out at all. But no, not for the I Yankees mean... anyway. Uh, if we move to runs, and that's indicative of guys who are going to hit the top of the lineup, and again, if it's guys fighting for a positional battle, we could be talking about breakout candidates scoring 100 runs in a season. Uh, right now, Dylan Carlson, top prospect for the Cardinals, leads the league with 10. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who's another guy who's fighting for a job in Texas, probably right against Nick Solak, leads the league with 10, 10 runs scored. That same kid, Ian Miller from Chicago, has 9 runs scored. Chris Owings... Uh, I think he's in Seattle now, has nine runs scored. Randy Arozarena, who was the throw-in for in that deal for uh, Jose Martinez with the Rays and Cardinals, he has eight. Lewis Brinson, top prospect for the Marlins, has eight. Uh, Matt Duffy, who's still with San Francisco and probably fighting for a job there, has eight runs scored. 
Adam Engel and Bubba Starling. To, uh, top prospect for Kansas City, and Engel was a fringe outfielder for the White Sox last year. Both also have eight runs scored. Any names there jump out at you? Matt Duffy is back in San Francisco. I think so. I mean, he was in Tampa last year. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. He's playing for the Texas Rangers as a non-roster invitee this year. So okay. he's probably right in there with uh, with Nick Solak and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Yeah, Falefa is the guy that, for some reason, I feel like I've heard his name now for a couple of years and just seems like now after enough time and enough at-bats, sometimes you see that kind of guy finally break out. Mm-hmm. A Jose Guillen is an example of someone who's done that. Mm-hmm. Um, a Ryan Ludwig. Just guys that eventually, an Adam LaRoche, mm-hmm. I would say, is an example. Mm-hmm. There are guys that eventually, after being, you know, sort of a, a backup after a while, a Melvin Mora, right, right. They eventually get enough opportunities mm-hmm. and they write the ship, you yeah. know, and then uh, an Omar Infante is another example. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go down the line, but right. I think this guy might be another example of a guy that's gotten enough cups of coffee in the major leagues mm-hmm. that if he's given the right opportunity the right role that he'll succeed so that's a guy that i'd be thinking about and he's only he's about to be 25 years old before the season starts so he's right in line to start getting into that prime if the rangers decide to use him he is very versatile he plays catcher third base and a little bit of second base so it's a but guy he has that catcher can... eligibility this year as well i don't know if he has the catcher eligibility this year um but I can take a look. I don't look. know if he played enough at catcher last year. Right. I'm going to look that up right now because I, I feel like he's a guy who was drafted as a catcher last year. He does have catcher right. eligibility this year. Um, he will he will be on the on the radar for anybody who wants to, to throw him at catcher. He played 38 games last year at catcher. That's enough to, oh, wow. that's enough to make it. Dead wrong. Yep. Dead wrong. Uh, so catcher and what else can Third base. Play? Third base. That's okay. it. But hey. Multi-position eligibility late in the yep. draft if he gets the starting job. And again, they just brought in Robinson Chirinos. I don't think he's going to be he's going to be there. Uh, Jeff Mathis is the backup there. He's an incredibly good defensive catcher, so he would yeah. at best be third. If you could, if you can expect him to be the backup at third base as well, then you're probably not going to be drafting him. You're not going to have him on any rosters because no. unless no. he's a fill in, no, you'd end up being off. a free agent and a guy yeah. that you'd wait to see what his role is. Exactly. Exactly. Let's move to doubles. Doubles is always a fun one, and there's a familiar name on this list, Benjamin, and I know you hate this player, but I'm going to say his name anyway. It starts off with a bunch of guys who are fighting for positions. It's Seth Brown that I talked about earlier in the bats. Eric Campbell has five doubles this spring. No, 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 no. That's not the same guy, is it? It's the same. It's the same guy. He's uh, probably fighting for a bench role in Oakland, uh, third base, probably first base. You know, to back up the mats. Uh, now, I immediately say that an argument is blown up in your face if Eric Campbell is leading the league in anything. Yes, leading the spring. league in doubles currently. Uh, Tim Lopes, a, a prospect for the Seattle Mariners, is is there. Troy Stokes Jr., who's a Detroit Tigers prospect, he is, he is there also with five doubles. Franklin Barreto popping up again, four doubles there. And then we've got some familiar names. Chris Bryant has four doubles. Reese Hoskins has four doubles. Fran Mil Reyes has four doubles. 
Anthony Santander has four doubles, and Kyle Schwarber has four doubles. Anything to that? No, I, I have okay. nothing to throw in because it's just such a small sample size that I can't really make anything of it. Okay. It's a hodgepodge of names, mm-hmm. young guys, veterans. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's not a humongous amount of at-bats for me to really make a, enough of an analysis. It's not a large amount of doubles. The most is five or six, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, it's five. It's five. So, I mean, what are we making of it? I mean, we start... When we started this part of the conversation, you were talking about, well, we're halfway through spring. Mm-hmm. Well, spring is only like, is not even a whole April month, you know? For, right. It's, still it's, it's about, a, it's about a, a month, but it's not a real, it's not a real uh, amount of at bats. It's, yeah. Right. So I guess uh, on another side of this whole conversation is when we're, when we talked about Josh Bell, we were just, we were trying to analyze what was going through the guy's head through his mm-hmm. at-bats and what he was trying to do. Right. We have no idea if a player is putting the same percentage of himself into that at-bat that he would in a regular season at-bat. We just mm-hmm. don't know and we never will. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, but we've seen that a strong spring can correlate to a strong season. And if you can navigate it, the landmines... You can sure. find gold. You can find gold in these stats. It's just a matter of finding the playing time, finding a guy that you think can can do something and has changed something in the offseason, which is why I see Franmil Reyes with four doubles here in the spring and has three homers already. He may have changed. I, I, I swear, man, I'm looking at a breakout season this year. Okay. If it is, it has nothing to do with the spring, though. I mean, if he was having a, a dis, like just awful, atrocious spring, mm. would it really turn you off to drafting him? Probably not, but it'd, be, okay. it'd just be a case of I wouldn't be as high on him as I am now. This certainly okay. adds to that. Like, yes, I'm seeing what he's worked on, and I'm seeing that the, that it that it's paying off. Right, but then you do see that the Josh. Bell or the mm-hmm. Ketel Marte argument still exists. Oh, of course, of course, and the and the Garrett Hampson argument exists. The Robinson Cano example is there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, leaders in home runs this spring: Orlando Arcia, who was until the injury to Louis Luis Urias, fighting for a job at shortstop for the Brewers. He leads all major leaguers with five homers right now in the spring. That to me says something. If okay. it's against pitching that isn't shit, but to me, if it's if it's against even fringe major league pitching, I would take. Yes, it. It, it, listen. If every one of them is against a major league starter, mm-hmm. or a ma- or I'll even say a major league reliever, sure. then I will give you that. Mm-hmm. Especially because we're talking about a guy that a couple of years ago, when they were going through that grueling series with the Dodgers. We're like, oh my god, this guy's amazing. Yep. You know? Yep. And then what happened last year? Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, and it's so, five okay, homers. Uh, he's still super young, right? He's like 26 or 27 years old. So, mm-hmm. okay, he can be back on the map. No problem. I can see it. Mm-hmm. You know, but who the hell was he hitting him off of? That's huge for me. Right. Right. You know, last year he had a pretty bad year 223 average, 15 homers, which is nice. 
59 RBIs, only a 283 batting average. If he's figured something out here and can take a step forward in either the power or the, the batting average per, uh, production departments, then you could see a really nice late round shortstop that could win you some leagues or at least win you some weeks. You know, he's only had 23 at-bats. He's only had seven hits, so five of them are home runs. Is it luck? It very well might be, but it's something to keep an eye on early in the season and see how he responds. The rest of the the, the list includes Arenado, uh, Paul DeYoung, and a an outfield prospect, Cody Thomas, from the Dodgers. I don't think Cody Thomas breaks camp with the with the team. He's probably going to be a guy that you would see late in the season as a, as a replacement for somebody who got injured. Um, there is a young or kid. Or maybe a call up in September. Sure, sure. Uh, the young kid, Travis Demerite, he was the one who was traded for from the Braves for Shane Green. He's got four homers this spring. And Kiner Falefa has four homers this spring as well. So there's there's that name again popping up. That if he's going to be an everyday player, he might be able to do something. Uh, moving on to RBIs, we've got a ton there. Um the top four, three of them are, are guys that are on the fringe. The other one's Bryce Harper, who has 11 this spring. Is that indicative of a big season? Who knows? But we know that Bryce Harper's always good at driving runs. Yeah, driving in runs and drawing walks. Mm-hmm. You can always count on him to draw walks, keep your on-base percentage up for the week. And in some ways, having Bryce Harper, if you pick him in the first round... I don't hate it just because you know what you're getting from him and he can carry your team in weeks when you need those kinds of stats like walks and on base percentage. If right. he has a big week, he can win you the week. Right. Kiner Falefa is on this, on this list as well with 11 RBIs. So he's 11 RBIs, 10 runs scored, four homers, and just one double. He's hitting 419 this spring. If it's something... This could be a guy we look back at at the end of the year and go, this is where the argument exists. But he could very easily just be a backup player and get 200 at-bats this year, and he's nothing. Right. So, or, get, or get the at-bats and not produce. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Travis Demerite is there with nine. He That does come from his four home runs. Um, another player I want to point to is Austin Allen, who's playing for the catcher's job in Oakland as well. He was uh, a small trade between the the Padres and the A's earlier this, this offseason. He's going to push Sean Murphy for that catcher's job, and there will probably be the two of them this this year as the, as the catching duo. If he could have a big year, he could overtake Sean Murphy in that starter's role and get the bulk of it bats. We see nine RBIs in spring. Again, it's just there. This is just what's there. And on a fantasy note, when the, those things kind of happen, that's when sometimes it's okay to carry two catchers because mm-hmm. you're not sure which one is getting going to get the bulk of the work. So you just play them both the way you would with Suzuki and Jan Gomes last year, yep. just who's ever starting to throw it in yep. until you see who's having the bigger year, and then you can cut ties with the other. Yeah, and you can do that through April. I would say you do that until you know Mother's Day at least and see what happens, and then you can probably toss away the one if one guy's hitting like 196. Yeah, you can probably toss that guy aside if the other guy's doing well. Um, strikeouts. The question of, you know, uh, Travis Shaw last year leading the league in, in strikeouts and having a bad year. Is that indicative? Well, let's take a look at who leads the league in strikeouts in this spring. 
Uh, we start off with a young man by the name of, uh, pardon me, I'm pulling it up right now. He's a San Francisco outfielder, Jalen Davis. Uh, he has 42 at-bats, has uh, 14 strikeouts already. He's nothing. Joey Gallo is next with 13. You'd expect him to be there. Uh, Ian Miller, who I talked about earlier, he's the outfielder for the Cubs, who has a bunch of steals. He's probably too young to be considered for their outfield role, so he's he's probably a nothing. Jorge Soler is there with 13 strikeouts as well. He had a ton of strikeouts last year. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, an outfield prospect for the Cardinals, is there. Drew Waters, an outfield prospect for the Braves, is there. And then Ronald Acuna is there with 11 strikeouts this spring. Are you concerned about any of these guys, or is this just status quo? You'd expect to see some of these names. Yeah, it's just, again, it's something that I can't make anything of. Even a guy like Gallo, when you say, yeah, it's expected of him. So one side can say, yeah, but he's a freaking major leaguer. Right. So like, can he at least in spring training kind of be able to tear up these crappy pitchers? Then again, we don't know who he's facing. Right. So regardless of which guy we point to in this group, we can say the yeah, but argument for each of them. So it's just, it's hard over the sample size. The only one that I can really point the figure finger at is the first guy on the list because he's a nobody and being the leader in strikeouts is going to lead to him being cut. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's probably going to get his uh, his walking papers here shortly. He only has 25 at-bats and 14 strikeouts. He's hitting 200. He does What's have a homer and a again? triple, but nothing to be said there. What's his name again? Uh, Jalen Jalen Davis, a right Jaylen field pro- yeah right field prospect for the San Francisco Giants. He played 17 games at the major leagues last year. Had 42 at-bats. Hit 167 with 11 strikeouts. Probably nothing. I, you know, he's probably a triple A guy. The, the Giants are in rebuild mode, so he's got a lot to work on at the minor leagues. But the the only other thing we can talk about is stolen bases, but that's a lot of luck and a lot of, uh, you know, fast guys that yeah, are, yeah. you know, super circumstantial. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, guys are taken out of the games. These are some, mm-hmm. I'm sure some of these guys are guys that are put in the games as pinch runners sure. at some point in the game. So yeah, it's hard to spec, really hard to speculate. Yep. I think that's kind of where we're trying to come together here. Mm-hmm. Like, is it mostly speculation or can we take something from what's going on here? I think and there's it's, uh, and it's an ongoing debate that I'm sure will continue to go on forever. Yep. I'm sure there's there, there's plenty of speculation and there's plenty of guys who are just going to flame out. But at the end of the day, man, if you can navigate the landmines, you can find a guy like Kettle Marte who had a decent spring or, you know, a guy like Josh Bell who had a terrible spring. You know, Carlos Santana and, and Ryan McMahon, those are two guys who had really big springs and produced. So those are the, those are the missing landmines. Those are the safe spots. So you just gotta you gotta navigate the landmines and here in here in spring, keep an eye on a guy. I like I said, I'm keeping my eye on Fran Mil Reyes. And if he continues to produce, he's just gonna go up the draft chart for me. Right now, I I would have no problem drafting him in about the sixth round. And we'll see if that if we'll see if that's something that I'm that I'm looking to do. But 
I like him. And I'm looking forward to a big year from him. Benji, this has been a great episode, man. We've gone almost 45 already on spring training. Thank you so much for being here, dude. Thanks for having me on, Joe. And just to throw back on that inside joke that we said earlier, uh, making taking a shot at Chad Pinder. <laughs> the name of the team was We Met on Pinder. Yes, we did. It was a really strong team name that lasted, oh, about three, four weeks until I realized that the guy wasn't on my team anymore. But it was just <laughs> such a good name that we held on to it as long as possible. In any event, I had a great time talking to you today, Joe. Yep. Uh, again, a, a long, ongoing argument, a debate that will continue uh, on for many, many years on whether we should take a look at spring and, and decide whether this really is indicative of whether this guy is having a big season or it's nothing to really can be concerned about because it's a guy that knows what he's doing. He's a veteran, so we really don't have to worry about it if he's you know, three for 60 or whatever, something crazy, just yeah. because the the back of the baseball card does not include the spring training stats. Agreed, agreed. Guys, if you're listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or any one of the multitude of outlets that are playing the audio, thank you so much for being here. Go ahead and share this with all your friends and give us a five-star rating or give us a like or a follow or whatever it is on your on your platform of choice for those of you watching on youtube thank you so much for being here go ahead and give us a subscription that button's going to be right over here and check out our last episode benji what was our last episode that we did what was our last? it wasn't the relief pictures no now i can't even remember i know right we have this moment where we're all set up for this and we uh anyway that video is going to be right here and until next time guys it's been real it's been fun and it's always real fun in the bigs we'll see you next time